This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's the 5th Annual 2022 Bloody Awards. If you are new to Murder is the Case, you have missed out on a wonderful tradition. The Bloody Awards is an award ceremony in which we present the winner of the funniest moment, most chilling moment, most touching moment, best dive bar, best academy, all of those with the treasured Bloody Award. What is it? Well, only those who have won it have found out, and they are all sworn to secrecy. But in truth, I gotta tell you, it's really the process of getting to the winner that is the fun part, because we get to go through some of the best clips from the year 2022. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to be looking at the nominees for the 2022 Bloody Awards. If you want to vote in the 2022 Bloody Awards, go to patreon.com slash murder was the case and become a member at any level. And on the 28th of January, I will be putting up the polls. You vote in each of the categories. So you go to funniest moment poll. There will be four options. You vote for the one that you think is the funniest. Go to two and so on and so on. You, of course, will only be able to vote once. Just keep going until you voted in all 10 categories, and then I will reveal the award winners, including the person who takes the Bloody Award for Best Dive Bar of the Year. At the Bloody Awards ceremony in January, the Bloody Awards ceremony will only be available to patrons of Murder Was the Case on Patreon, because they're Academy members. They pay their dues, they cast the votes, they get all the love. Sorry. I'm also uploading my second Academy episode on cults on Patreon. In that, we are now looking at followers as opposed to the last one where we looked at leaders. So if you enjoy Murder Was the Case and if you particularly enjoy the Academies and you want to vote on the Bloody Awards, you want to hear the Bloody Awards ceremony, well, now's your chance to join at patreon.com slash murder was the case. Okay, let's get underway. Here are the contenders for the funniest moment of 2022 on Murder Was the Case. Jennifer Weiss and Peter Vronsky for Richie, where's my mother's head? You know he had weird perverted fantasies about you, right? I, I know you know that, but but did that bother you? No. no. I had to send him nudes to get him to confess to something. Okay. Like, Look, I'll, send you, I'll send you a nude right now if you confess to the murder of Marianne and Lorraine. He was like, done. All right, so now we got to get more nudes of Peter now. To them. That, that's how it's going to work. I already sent him them. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's in the hospital. <laughs> I love it. Detective Cloyd Steiger for Somewhere in the Distance, a dog barked. We drive out to Renton to this house, and it's his mother and his adult sister live there. And they both spoke fine English, and I knocked on the door, and there were some ICE agents with me, in case they didn't speak English, and couple of detectives. So we came in and somebody took the mother away to talk to her separately. And I was in the living room talking with the sister. I don't remember the guy's name, but I'm just going to say Jose. It was some common Mexican Hispanic name. Let's say it was Jose. Where's Jose? And she goes, oh, we haven't seen her in a few days. And it was a very nice house and very well kept. And I'm looking around and they have Mother Teresa statues around and stuff. And I looked at her and I go, are you Catholic? And she goes, yeah. Do you have a rosary? Yeah, I have a rosary. Go get it. And she goes into the back room and she gets her rosary and she comes back out 
and she's standing facing me and the two ICE agents are behind her. She can't see them. And I said, I want you to repeat after me. Okay. I said, Holy Mary, Mother of God. Holy Mary, Mother of God. I swear upon my eternal damnation, I am not lying to this detective. And these ICE agents are trying not to laugh out loud. <laughs> and then she goes, he was here this morning. Uh. <laughs> so I have a complete stoic look on my face. I'm serious as a heart attack. Even though inside I'm, I'm thinking, this is pretty fun. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to use this again. Judith Yates and Lee Meller for McMurder. Okay. Little boys are little boys. And pulled down their britches and they said, oh, look at how big mine is. Oh, yeah, mine is big. That kind of thing. All right. Little I never boy did moment. That, by the way. Okay. Well, we're just saying. I don't want to embarrass the other boys. <laughs> boy, you put down that cracking. <laughs> okay. So these little boys are talking. and Just, just so sorry. For the record, I do not have my dick out. She's talking about the rum. <laughs> See, this is why I only go on this show like once a year because the twistedness, it is. Nor okay. is it bent. <laughs> And then, and then, what was that guy's name? See, now I can't even think of the good word of my own punchline. Canada John, Hal Shore, Jason Goley, and Lee Meller for bath salts. All right, I'll start. So I punched in my birthday and ended it with Florida Man. And the headline came up, Florida Man who marooned himself on Lake Fountain says he took too much MDMA and wanted to be with the swans. (laughs) (laughs) Wanted as well. I like Bert. Yeah. So when the police asked him what he was doing, he said he just wanted to be with the swans because they don't, quote unquote, judge him. Lee <laughs> <laughs> just spit his drink out. <laughs> it pretty much did, but it didn't actually fly out. It was like a fountain that complimented yeah. the story. It wasn't high projectile like, you know. Just don't judge me, guys. No. I don't, <laughs> don't judge, judge I admire it. I admire it. This was a giant fountain that was out in the... In a large body of water. <laughs> so That makes it better, see? Now for the rest of the story. So the police said he forgot to tie up the swan boat that he used to get out to the coast. Oh, use the swan boat? This is a fucking Lord oh, of the Rings. Great, man. I mean, so he used a swan boat to get to the swans and got Decoy. marooned, as they call it, <laughs> on a water fountain. He got marooned on a water fountain. <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened. Water I mean, is he like <laughs> floating in the air, like on the water, just going boom, 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 and he's like this? He got off the swan boat to get close to the swans. <laughs> you are holding back. Big and, time. Then, and then he forgot to tie up the swan boat, and as it drifted away... <laughs> Don't he, judge him, guys. He climbed onto the fountain from there. Wow. So the Orlando police are following up with the boat rental company to look into any outstanding charges against the man. Because the swan boat did go missing. (laughs) (laughs) Drifted off, some other Florida man found it. (laughs) It's a message from God. See, it was a far better time than you all remembered. And it was kind of creepy too, because the nominees for most chilling moments are Judith Yates for McMurder. I think he had started liking killing. And he also went to Dunbar Cave on his off time to play his guitar and to watch people. Because there was a woman prior to this that had taken her kids to Dunbar Cave Park. And her little girl, who liked everybody, as they walked past, burst into tears when she saw him. And the mama 
comforted the little girl and said, don't worry, honey, that man's not going to do anything to you. And she heard Reed say, not yet anyway. So I think he took them where he was familiar, maybe because Michelle did say, my brother's coming in a minute, Michelle was saucy. What breaks my heart the most is Angie would have been facing the area where she said her I do's to the man she truly loved and loved her. And then he cut their throats to the bone and threw her in the lake to drown. Cloyd Steiger for Somewhere in the Distance, a dog barked. He gets him there and he goes, hey, and he's talking to him real low key. He goes, hey, Jim, I want to talk to you about the woman that you hurt up on Queen Anne. And Jim goes, oh, oh, I didn't hurt her. I killed her. (laughs) Tab Ballas for Leave Me Alone, Let Me Die. Thomas got her in the sleeper compartment. She was pinned in to like a six foot by three foot by three foot compartment. And he began to beat her in the face. He knocked some of her teeth out and bloodied her. Uh, according to his testimony, she then began taking her clothes off. And she said to him, go ahead and rape me. I've been raped before. And it seems as if from his perspective, this enraged him. Because her sort of capitulating deprived him of whatever satisfaction or need he had to dominate her sexually. He wasn't interested in her allowing him to have sex at the risk of her life. So according to his testimony, he lost it. And he lubricated his hand and arm, and he stuck his hand and arm up her vagina and continued going up close to his elbow, past his wrist. He pierced the peritoneal wall between the vagina and the rectum. His hand and arm protruded into her abdomen. He unseated one of her kidneys with his hand. He unseated it from the kidney bed, and he grabbed a length of her large intestine and pulled it out when she was found deceased she had 18 inches of intestine protruding from the opening that he tore between her vagina and rectum he tore a lot of blood vessels in her abdomen when he did this and so he says at that point that she muttered that she had to urinate and he went to the passenger side of the truck opened the door she fell naked out of the truck onto the gravel and he grabbed her by the arm and dragged her naked body in the freezing february night air into the woods next to the truck he dragged her a total of 120 feet into the woods through leaves and briars and pine straw and left her still alive bleeding to death on the forest floor according to the coroner she would have continued living for another 15 to 20 minutes she died according to the autopsy report of what was called massive exsanguination blood loss blood loss but sadly and maybe even more horrifically in the final moments of her life she fought to crawl across the forest floor so when her body was found her hands were clutching leaves and pine straw and there was a drag mark where she had drug herself several feet not far just in her last final attempts to escape and her last words according to thomas were leave me alone and let me die lee miller for bath salts at 1 55 p.m a naked broody eugene 
encounters 65-year-old homeless man Ronald Popo underneath the elevated Metro Mover viaduct and starts pummeling him. He pulls off the homeless guy's pants and he starts to eat his fucking face. A passing cyclist notices this and he calls 911. A few minutes later, Jose Ramirez from the Miami Police Department, he arrives and does a double take. I think that's his own words. He's watching a naked guy eat a homeless man's face. He warns Eugene. He's like, hey, don't eat his face. Eugene apparently responds by turning around and growling at him. Then Ramirez shoots him, which doesn't work, and shoots him four more times. The whole ordeal is captured by a security camera on the nearby Miami Herald building. And I guess it was 18 minutes of him eating his face before help arrived. Okay, we've tickled your funny bone. We've sent chills up your spine. Time to bring some tears down those flush little rosy cheeks of yours. The most touching moment of 2022, was it? Landon Wilson in Headshot. So when this article came out on the website and the photograph of you, what was the public reaction and along with that the reaction from the family of the deceased well the family of the deceased is kind of it's sad to me one of the things that that bothered me the absolute most was this reporter who i will adamantly state he knew what he posted was not true he went to this family himself and gave the family what i assume was his version of the story and i would ask you if someone came to you and said something like that, what what would your reaction be? Because I know what mine would be. You would never be able to see the other side of it. You would become so yeah. overwrought with emotion, they would hate you. And I believe he knew that. Like, I have nothing but horrible. Th- you know, there's people at the GBI, how they handled it, that I can sort of throw a little shade at. But there's like nobody in this world that I'm like, that man did something he knew was completely wrong. And to answer your question, like the family didn't have great things to say about me, but I don't hold that against them because I wouldn't have great things to say about me. And not only that, if this was a case that they had to deal with years ago, you know, it's in the past now, and then they have it that, you know, that's one thing. It's still bad. This had just happened. Most of us will lose somebody we care about. Few people will lose somebody quite like that with seemingly no rhyme or reason and that level of like viciousness. So they're already, in my mind, they were already struggling. And then what happened next? Because one of the quotes, I don't know who said it in the family, but basically I was equated to the killer that did it. They were like, you know, he shouldn't have, I won't even, it does, it's not worth saying. And ultimately I understand where they were coming yeah. from. So yeah, the family doesn't think much about me and why should they? That's one of those things you just sort of live with. They know a version of the story even if I reached out and tried to say, hey, it's not true, all that's going to serve to do, I think. And this is my feeling of it. All it's going to serve to do is just rip open a wound again. And they ultimately don't owe me anything. There is a possibility that they might listen to this or that someone they know might listen to this and tell them about it. So I think it is worth you saying something to them just in that event. So if you want to Take a moment and think about what that is, or maybe you already know what you want to say, but what would that be? Well, it would just be the one thing that I've always known is like, I was never disrespecting Mr. Page. I know his story kind of backwards in front. Whatever justice they got for him, like I like to think that the work I did did contribute to that. 
it's okay if if they don't like me. Like I've sort of come to terms with that. And I'm not asking for forgiveness. I'm just saying I didn't do what that reporter told them that I did. And he knew that. And for what it's worth, you have like my sincerest like apologies for what you were dragged into. Judith Yates, McMurder. Andrea, who we lost with McDonald's, she had just bought her own car with her own money. Now, this is back in the 90s. You're working at a fast food restaurant part time. All your money you're saving, making minimum wage. Can you imagine how much that cost, saving all of that to buy a car? And she bought a, a used car, and she was so excited. And she asked her daddy, and she lived right up the street, literally a block away. Can I drive it to work? Well, no, you don't have insurance yet. And she says, well, what if you sit in the car with me? So all she does, she gets in the car, she starts it, puts it in gear and drives it down the road and stops. And there she is at work. I drove my car to work. You know, she's so excited. And he tells me later, it was a one-way trip. That's all she got to drive her new car. To her, it was a new. Avi Tabib, guarding the door. I always told myself, I could have, I should have, I would have. You can't. You can't. I cannot tell you. You know, in the, in the beginning, I used to feel maybe bad that I'm not giving enough thoughts for Dominique because I was so busy on moving forward. I told myself, like, all right, let me light a candle at least to her memory. Mm-hmm. But it made me feel so bad. You're going into the darkest thoughts, and it's too much. Not now. I can't, I can't do that. You got to focus on yourself right now. Sonia Ruiz McGraw exceptional closure. The announcement of my grandmother's closure was not really an announcement about her closure. It was more of an announcement about him getting an award for something. That's what that announcement was. Now it's bundled up with, all right, well, let's just throw this in there. So now once again, my grandmother's headless. Once again, she's got no face, no dignity, no say, no nothing. She was just a case file. Just another prostitute who had an occupational risk and it didn't work out for her. And for that is why I'm hurt and disappointed. And, And to put the cherry on top, when Peter notified me that this was out there, I had already known that it was out there. Why? And I told Peter, because my mom flipped out. It's easy to come on Murder Was The Case, charm the listeners, even charm me, and walk out with everyone thinking you're the bee's knees, but what about walking the walk in real life, IRL, as the kids say? Who is the most heroic guest to appear on Murder Was the Case in 2022? Was it Jennifer Weiss, whose determination to find her slain mother's head led her to send nudes to a serial killer and visit that serial killer multiple times in person? This is the same man that killed the mother she never met. When I survived cancer, I felt indestructible, like nothing could penetrate me. And I'm not scared of anything. I don't care about anything. And I wanted to face him, which was one of my biggest fears. And I was thinking to myself, how am I going to do this? And so I made a Facebook page that said, serial killers need hugs too, because I was going to forgive him. And I just wanted to know where he put my mother's skull so that I didn't have an ending to her story and to people's questions During any time I would go out, when you meet new people, where'd you come from? It's just like, it's always lurking in the background that I'm adopted. And it always comes up 
when someone wants to get to know me, like, oh, where'd you come from? So I didn't want the end of the story to be, yeah, my mom got her head cut off and she was a prostitute. <laughs> I want to know where her skull is, dude. And you're going to tell me and I'm going to be your friend. I'm coming to the prison. Everybody at the prison is going to be jealous because I'm hot and I'm funny. And that's what I wrote to him. And I said, this is going to be weird, but I'm Dina's daughter. I need you to add me to your list so I come visit you. People are going to be jealous at the prison, your inmate friends, because I'm really hot and really sexy and really funny. And I just want to come there and hopefully you'll let me. And he couldn't say no, because I was the daughter of the woman he beheaded. For deciding to come out of anonymity, despite the fact that he was pilloried by the local media, to say, hey, my name is Landon Wilson. I'm the host of Autopsy Podcast. I'm not ashamed of it. I haven't done anything wrong. And if you want at me, well, come at me, bro. Landon Wilson for Headshot. Okay, and so now let's get to the big reveal. You host a podcast, Autopsy, and it's pretty awesome. And these are, no pun intended, but I guess it kind of works. These are the skeletons you've been kind of keeping in your closet like you told me that you didn't even want to give your name out on your podcast which to me that's that's awful man you know that you're worried that it's going to affect something like that yeah there was for autopsy at least i thought i'll use a pseudonym so i was going to just make up a name and do that i want to tell you the story and i don't want you to think about me because it's more important to tell their story and if you separate yourself, even if you use the pseudonym, you're still putting a name out there that these people hear and they associate. Something about your friendly death investigator had a ring to it. It rolled off the tongue. It was aesthetically like pleasing. And it also gave that separation where you're not thinking about me. You're thinking about the story. So even when we were talking about doing this, I was like, I'm always going to be your friendly death investigator. That's what belongs on that show. If I ever did another podcast that was not related to like victims and stuff like that, I'd probably use my real name. But I like the idea of telling someone's story and you're not thinking about me. So you're going to keep it that way, even though we've let the cat out of the bag here. It's still going to be your friendly death investigator. Yeah, you're the first person I'm talking to about this recording. But there's lots of other podcasters who know. Hmm. And that's why I say like you never really know how to tell somebody. And at least for a lot of the indie pod, all the indie podcasters that I've told, they're just like, yeah, so what? So that gives you hope on an individual level, but you never yeah. know. We were talking earlier about Twitter mobs and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And people get into these group chats and all hell breaks loose. A lot of people are different when they feel social pressures. How about the guy who prevented a suicide bomber from bursting into a club in Tel Aviv and blowing everyone to pieces? And who, after being hospitalized and burned and broken all over, decided to build himself back up and go to work on that same door, Avi Tabib, guarding the door. Okay, you want to come out of it. What, what, what does that mean, you want to come out of it? But you want so many things. You want your life back. You want to be able to, I'm not even talking about going back to martial arts and all that. You can't even walk. You can't even stand. You can't even open your zipper. You can't even go to the restroom on your own. You can't even take a shower on your own. You can't sleep more than half an hour. Not talking about running, going back to martial arts. I wanted to go back to the service and I've, I'm, I'm like dreaming and fantasizing. Yes, if I uh, get well, I want to go back to Mike's place and work at the same door again at the same spot. It seemed like a fantasy when I'm talking at that, that time. I didn't even say it. I didn't talk. I didn't, it was in my head. And as we talked before, you 
highest goal that you wanted to achieve was to raise a family. Because I'm telling you, you were lying in bed over there in the hospital. And on one hand, you can tell yourself, yeah, 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 I'm a hero. I saved the day. I'm martial arts. I did this. I traveled around the world. I did a lot of things. And you almost left this world with no name behind. I mean, nothing behind you. And uh, yeah, that was like the main goal. How should I say it? Um, I don't want it to sound too easy. It's not like Vinny Vidivici, all right? I came, I saw I won. After long, long days and nights of pain, of frustration, of anger, that most of it goes on your relatives and the surrounding, I mean, the family, a lot of medication. Six months later, I was at the door of Mike's place working as security guard at the same door at the same spot. Not standing there, working there. Or was it the woman who, after the rest of her family told her not to go there, to just leave it in the past, to let everyone forget about it, said, no, I want to know who killed my grandmother. I want to bring light to this, and I want to bring some sort of closure, some sort of finality, some humanity to her memory. Sonia Ruiz McGraw. That doesn't mean that they were worthless. It doesn't mean that they're nothing. And that's why I did what I did. And that's why I went through staying up late at night writing to this fucking guy. And that's why I was willing to be faced with him. And I'm still willing to be faced with him. And I'm still going to see him. I'm still going to see him even after all of this. Most grizzled moment. This one is always fun. Although, to be fair, grizzled is kind of subjective. And we don't always get as much grizzled on the show in a year as I would like. But to go back to the Saturday Night Live skit, who's more grizzled? Is it Detective Cloyd Steiger in Somewhere in the Distance, a dog barked? So we get him in the car and I'm walking out the door and there's an FBI supervisor and he's on the cell phone. As I walk by him with this guy, he's a witness. He says, hey, hey, I'm on the phone with the U.S. attorney. The U.S. attorney says we can't talk to this guy. I said, damn, that's good. He goes, what? It's good that I don't work for the fucking U.S. attorney. And I- Is it Jason, bitter divorcee Goldie in Bath Salts? Jason. How did you fuck up your life in three sentences or less? Got into a uh, committed relationship with a female too young. (laughs) How too young? (laughs) 19. So the relationship thing, getting relationship too young. Getting married. I guess that's two. (laughs) (laughs) So is it still fucked up? No. No, we're divorced. So that fixed it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's he's not 19. No, yeah. Yeah, the gray beard, I think, kind of gives that away. What about Avi? Too tough to kill Tabib. And you know those twos. Those are number twos. Four, guarding the door. One dangerous thing, it makes you feel... Let's put it this way. When I opened my eyes in the hospital and they told me what happened, are you familiar with Alice in Chains? Yeah, it's one of my favorite bands. Oh, great. (laughs) So you know the song Rooster. Yeah, man. He ain't gonna die. I, exactly. <laughs> These are the first lyrics that came out of my mind. It was like, and find a way to kill me, Ed. And find a way to kill me, Ed. Because you're like, now you feel like yeah. nothing's gonna happen to you. Or was it I, Lee Meller, for this crusty old fuck flip out about the frustrations of living in the digital age on the Four Horsemen of Toronto True Crime 2. Everything we do goes through that now. It's like, you wanna make toast with your new toaster? Did you download the app? I've got apps for everything. It's driving me crazy. I've got a million passwords. I keep forgetting them and I'm just getting frustrated because you never need the password when you're just casually sitting there 
with nothing to do. It's always when you're in a rush. My plane, I forgot to do this. And then it's like, you got to log into the app to do it. Watch your password. It's like this. It's like, no, that's not it. Oh, is it this one? No, it's not that. Okay, reset password. Choose your new password. You're putting in the one you usually use. You can't use the same one twice. That's the one I fucking entered. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then your operating system updates. There was really only one fight story of note this year, and it's not going to be beat because Avi Tabib took out a terrorist suicide bomber using martial arts. So even if there were more stories, it was not going to beat Avi. So for that reason, I am awarding best fight story to Avi for this. When someone you're telling him you're not supposed to walk in, you're not allowed in, they don't tell you, all right, thank you and bye-bye. Sometimes they'll go and get nasty, start talking to you, start convincing you, start telling you how well he's going to know you, how well he knows your mom and her profession and how deep he's going to love you. But he was the silent type, like standing over there and you can tell that the wheels in the brain are turning. Again, that's not out of the ordinary. Now, I don't want to incite him to, all right, let's see who's bigger and who's stronger, right? Because there's a business to run. And I'm turning to Dominique, that she's waiting a couple steps to my left. And I'm talking to her. I'm basically, I'm in southpaw stance, like in a front stance in martial arts. But I keep him in the corner of my right eye. He doesn't realize I have him in the corner of the eye. And as I started talking to Dominique, he thought that's the gap that he needed and he charged in again he didn't think that i'm security guard he didn't even go around me he just tried to walk between dominique and i and he was trying like to make a way with his shoulder he didn't use his arms later on we found out that the button was in his hand he was a fairly big guy i guess he was sure that he can just use this way to yeah just make way charge through yeah. yeah Not like the movies or the books. He didn't yell anything, Allah Akbar, or anything like that. He just tried to rush in. And me just turning like 90 degrees to him and placed my hands on his hips. And now I got mad because <laughs> you're challenging me, basically. Now, I mean, get mad, but it's not like I'm going to do something. Just push him away. You're not going to go in. As I said, I'm placing my hands on his hips on center of mass and I'm pushing him. Not push throw because I want to be in control. I want to be on top of him. Push and walk with him and yelling in Hebrew like, Zeus, move. Now, Dom, Dominic was, I'm saying was, it's really difficult for me to say was, was a beautiful, beautiful woman. And that night was the first night we actually talking and I'm all butterflies. And as I'm pushing him, I'm thinking to myself, I need to impress her. Maybe I'll do like a sidekick or something. But like really right away, it's like there's no need for excessive force. He's, he's not even holding the ground. It's nothing. It's not even a challenge. And my hand's still on his hips and I feel something like, like this. I'm thinking, uh, you're actually pushing back. But that was the explosion itself. From the explosion, two people that were like on the side, my right and like 45 degree angle to his back. Ron Baron and Yenai Weiss were killed on the spot. Dominique that was behind me, actually, I don't know, some crazy shockwave. I don't know how it hit the ground and did like a turbulence or something and just ripped her arm off. And after a few minutes, after losing lots of blood, she was gone. This year on Murder Was The Case, I put out more academies than I did on any of the preceding years. So I hope you who are always hankering for them are happy, you can find them at patreon.com slash 
murder was the case. I'm very proud of them, think I did a good job on them all, but which one was the best? Was it American Cosa Nostra? According to an old Calabrian folk song, in the 17th century, three Garduna brothers took vengeance upon a nobleman who had raped their sister. They slayed the brute, but were forced to flee Spain by sail and shipwrecked on the Mediterranean island of Favignana, off the coast of Sicily. The first brother, Mastroso, made his way to Naples where he founded the Camorra. Its Calabrian counterpart, Andrangheta, was born of the second brother, Carcanoso, and in ancient Sicily, the third brother, Osso, started what we know today as the Mafia. Having spent most of my early life studying history, these origins have always struck me as fascinating and profoundly romantic. That's because they're bullshit. CSAP, the crime scene assessment for psychopathy. From the psychopathic checklist revised, we have glibness, superficial charm, grandiose sense of self-worth, conning and manipulation, effective deficits, which essentially combines the PCLR items, callous lack of empathy and lack of guilt or remorse. So that's two that I put into one called effective deficits, impulsivity, sensation seeking, aka proneness to boredom, need for stimulation, poor behavioral controls, criminal versatility, and promiscuous sexual behavior. Then on top of those PCLR items, I add instrumental violence, diverse victims, extreme or gratuitous violence, and egocentric acts of evil. Personality profiling. One of the most empirically supported concepts in personality psychology is that there are five personality factors which are present in all cultures around the world. Openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. You can remember those by using the acronym OCEAN. Openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Openness. The first factor, openness or openness to experience, denotes an individual's level of appreciation for novelty or things that are outside the box. Cult numero one, leaders. In a healthy developmental relationship, such a figure is present to provide comfort, shifting the child's emotional state from distress to security. This deactivates the child's attachment system. In biological terms, the increased levels of cortisol resulting from the child's agitation are regulated back to normal and opioids are released to make them feel at ease once more. Now the child can continue to explore the world and grow. Finally, the best dive bar. I had a lot of people complaining this year and I really don't understand what the hell is wrong with you. We had as many academies as we did in the first year of the show, which everyone always harkens back to, the good old days, and we had definitely the best run of dive bars of any Murder Was the Case year. So it's you, not me. Now that I've put that aside, which was the best dive bar of 2022? Was it Detective Cloyd Steiger and Susanna Ryan for Somewhere in the Distance? A dog barked. I said something about the drug czar, and he goes, oh, you know, the U.S. Marshal's office does security for the drug czar. And he goes, oh, you do? And he goes, yeah. Does he ever come to Fresno? He goes, yeah, of course, there's a lot of drugs in Fresno. He's there all the time. And he says, I always greet him at the airport. He goes, you tell him Cloyd still wants that car. And he goes, oh, no, oh, no, no, I can't do that. (laughs) Flash forward like six weeks later, I'm in my office, and I hear, where is he? And Colonel Kowski comes walking around the corner, and he goes, 
I can't get away from you. He goes, I landed in Fresno, and the guy came out, and he goes, hey, I'm special agent in charge so-and-so, and Coy still wants that car. And he said his jaw dropped, and he was laughing. <laughs> well, he wouldn't get away from me either of you. Yeah, exactly. Me a car. Yeah, yeah. Was it Tab Ballas for Leave Me Alone, Let Me Die? So it was after midnight on this very chilly February 22nd evening. I think the bar had mostly emptied out. The only people left in the bar other than this trucker were the bar owner, Wanda Whitley, her girlfriend, Heidi Crossley, and Talana. And again, Talana had been in the bar most of the day working to rebuild the bar itself. So the bar is closing, and these three women are there, and they decided to go to a Hardy's fast food restaurant down the street. And the trucker asked if he could join them. They said, sure. The bar owner, Wanda, and her girlfriend, Heidi, were going to close up the bar. So Ronald Thomas asked Talana if she wanted to ride in the truck with him and wait for the other women down at the restaurant. And people that knew Talana described her as fearless. She liked cars and motorcycles, and she had never ridden in a large semi-truck before. So she said, sure. You know, And many people who knew her have wondered, why did she get into that truck? Here's this guy that just wandered in. But I think the fact that she was fearless was part of it. Was it Hal Shore, Jason Goley, and Canada John for bath salts? Aaron's dog, little dachshund named George, just for good measure, Victorino, stomped him to death. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man, anyone who kills a wiener dog, they got to fry. You know what? Should we have done a trigger warning? (laughs) We should have done a trigger warning at the beginning of this, this episode. Has abuse of animals. Yeah, because that's the thing that's going to people going to okay, trigger people he, there. He killed six people, beat to death, raped a belt corpse. Oh my God, he stepped on a dog, that fucking animal. You can't just hit us with that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's rough. That's fucking rough, man. So, yeah, so four perpetrators, six victims, four men, two women, plus the dog, because he was disrespected. Was it dapper Englishman Philip Baum for? Terror plane. And somehow, when it comes to airport security, everybody's supposed to be treated the same. That is not good security. We need to be able to differentiate and we need to be able to employ and deploy people of the caliber that are able to make sensible, intelligent decisions about who they're just going to wave through the system and who they are going to stop. Or was the best dive bar for 2022 Avi Tabibs guarding the door? What specifically was your list of injuries that you sustained? Well, I don't even remember everything even. Most of them were internal injuries. They cut short the intestines. There was a lot of internal bleeding. As I said, the lungs were shut down almost completely. One was completely shut down. The other one was like few percent. Here, everything was burnt. Like, I couldn't really breathe. They had airways. Broken jaw, broken teeth, holes in the ears, burns. Broken skull, broken vertebra, broken shoulders, broken hands, burns all over the body. So there you have it, everyone. Those were some of the best moments from Murder Was the Case in 2022. To reiterate, to vote on them, go to patreon.com slash murderwasthecase. Become a patron of the show on any level. You will find eight polls there, each with the options. You can only vote once. Do so. Make sure you fill out all eight. And then tune in in early January when I reveal the results. And hey, let's get started on next year. I have a fairly seductive plan, but I've erred in the past revealing some of them to you too early before all my ducks in a row. 
So you'll just have to wait and see. But I think 2022 on Murder Was the Case is going to be special. If you like detective work, the behavioral stuff, if that's what you're into, it's going to very much aim in that direction. Unless things don't work out, you'll know soon. Thank you for listening to Murder Was the Case in 2022. I hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you in 2023. Happy New Year. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.